0: Ma'am, do you know if you could give me some wisdom? Can you give me some wisdom, just a piece of wisdom? You're not standing in a very safe place. So move from where I'm standing. Yeah. That's wise. That dude, he is going to get arrested someday for good, but it's awesome. Yeah, he already has. That's good. For real, though. Hey, uh... (laughs) I'm so glad to be with you. A couple things. Number one, uh, thank God Pastor Anthony gave us an update on his Russia team because if I didn't know any better, I'd think he was away getting work done last week or something like get some cantaloupes implanted in here or something. (laughs) Gee whiz, but my shirts are that tight, but it's not by my choice. (laughs) Golly. Uh, Well done. Proud of you, boss. Uh, We're so glad to be here with you guys uh, in this... Uh, with the last, I, think, I would talk about your biceps. That's safe, right? I won't go. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> glad to be with you guys uh, for week two of Before Google. We're talking about uh, the wisdom of God in this series, and we're having a great time. Pastor Darren kicked us off last week, uh, kind of laying the foundation for what biblical wisdom looks like. Uh, and in his sermon, he talked about his mom and her struggle with what he called the what she called the internets. Uh, And so I wanted to kind of continue that, uh, tell you a little story about my mom, if that's okay. My mama, uh, she knows how to use the internets. Uh, She even learned how to text message about a year ago, and if you asked her, it would only take her a couple days to send a picture over her phone. So she's doing well, but a couple years ago, uh, I got something I never thought I'd get. Uh, I opened my Facebook app, and on the other side, you know, they have the little friend request thing. I got a friend request from my mother. And I thought, this is going to be fun. So I accepted the friend request and immediately looked uh, looked on her page. And on her own wall, she, uh, she had written, uh, hello, son of mine, so glad to be friends with you now on Facebook, on her own wall, right? And so I talked to my mom quick, and I said, hey, mom, uh, I, you know, if you want, I can just give you a little tutorial about, you know, just the basic functions of Facebook, how to write on people's walls instead of your own, how to update your status, how to send personal messages. And my mom said, no, I'll be fine, I'll figure it out. And I said, I don't think you're going to figure it out. But uh, I thought, this is going to be a fun ride. And so I opened my Facebook the next day. And the first thing I saw on my timeline, about a page and a half worth of note uh, from my mom, this is well into my relationship with Caitlin, by the way, from my mom to the girl that I dated in high school. uh, Talking about how much she missed her and how she was like a daughter to her and how I made a mistake breaking up with her and stuff. And uh, and so I called my mom, and I said, Mom, what is going on? What are you thinking? She's like, oh, no, I had no idea. I thought that was just to her. And I said, that's why I offered you the tutorial. And my mom, she'll be here next week, I believe, with us. You should be friends with her on Facebook. It is fun. Still hasn't figured it out. Uh, but I thought, as we were, as I was thinking about that this week, I thought, how often do we kind of live that kind of life where my mom had all of the knowledge she needed right in front of her. I was offering uh, to help her with the ins and outs of the basic functions of Facebook, but she said, oh no, I've got it taken care of, no problem, and I think that's really funny, but I thought, how often do you and I, uh, in our own lives, in our walks with God, how often do you and I do the same kind of thing and say, you know what, God, you've got knowledge waiting for me, but I'm not gonna really apply it, and so in this series, we're really talking about about uh, what wisdom is, and we're going off this simple definition. If you're looking for a definition of wisdom that we're using through this series, it's as simple as the knowledge of God applied in my daily life. That's what wisdom is. And so we've got kind of this anchor verse, Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. And we're operating on this premise that God has wisdom available to us. But so often you and I in our own lives, we don't apply the wisdom of God to our lives. If you're being honest, even maybe if you've been a Christian or a churchgoer for a long time, uh, if you're like me, we go through times of our lives where we honestly don't depend on the wisdom of our God. Maybe you're in here and you've spent your entire life depending on your own wisdom, and you go to church and you raise your hands, but if anyone asks you what was guiding your life, it would be your understanding of the world, your understanding of uh, where you're going, what you're doing, your own plans. Or for many of us in here, I think maybe you've grown up in a Christian context, and your wisdom, the wisdom that you live your life according to, is really it's godly wisdom, or it's Christian cultural wisdom, uh, but you've never really explored why you believe in that wisdom. Maybe you've received it from a pastor or a life group leader or a family member, but you've never really dove in and said, God, what wisdom do you have for me in my life? And so today, I want us to spend a little time thinking about a couple questions. The first question I have for you is this. What are the benefits of living a life seeking God's wisdom? In your life, what are the benefits of living a life seeking God's wisdom? Whether you're, you're doing that, you're actively spending time in prayer, in scripture, in fellowship, in worship, saying, God, I want your wisdom, or whether you're just kind of living your life oblivious to God's wisdom, what benefits lie on the other end of you seeking God's wisdom? And then after we think about that question, and maybe, and maybe you've got an answer that pops to the uh, forefront of your mind immediately, the next question is, if there are benefits to seeking God's wisdom then why so often is it that I don't seek God's wisdom? What holds me back if there is a wisdom from God that can make my life better? What is it that's holding me back from seeking God's wisdom in my own life? What is it that's holding me back from getting in the Bible, getting in prayer, getting in community, and really finding out what God has to speak into the situations in my life? And today, the good news is, is that God is really smart. And a couple thousand years ago, he wrote us a template that goes through, I think, four of the biggest things that hold me back from seeking God's wisdom in my daily life. King Solomon in Proverbs chapter 2 kind of lays out four things, four fears that hold me back from seeking God's wisdom in my daily life. And so if you have your Bibles, go there. We're going to spend the majority of this morning kind of jumping through, tackling Proverbs chapter 2. And I think at the end of it, my goal is that you would believe that there is a benefit and a promise to you living a life seeking after God's wisdom. And you would apply that in your life. And so Proverbs chapter 2, we're going to begin talking through the four big reasons reasons that you and I don't seek out God's wisdom in our daily lives. Are you ready? Okay, I'm a youth pastor, and I believe that a quiet church is a dead church, and so I need you to pick something out. Uh, In youth group, we say stuff like get on that bus, dollar bills, hallelujah. I don't care what you say, but I need you to pick something out that you're going to shout back to me so that I don't feel self-conscious on this stage. Are you ready? That was so weak. Come on, old people. Are you ready? I'll call you old people if you don't shout back to me. I'm not offended by it. It's cool. Uh, Four things, four reasons that hold us back uh, from seeking after God's wisdom in our own lives. Ready? Ready. Okay, that's good. Uh, Number one, I think the first reason that many of us don't seek after God's wisdom in our own lives is we fear that if I seek God's wisdom, God won't show up. I fear that when I say, God, I'm all in, I'll change my life, I'll apply the disciplines, I'll give you time, we fear that God won't show up. And so we think that we should just live on our own strength, in our own wisdom, and kind of let God off the hook. We believe that God needs us to do him a favor and stay away from really trusting his wisdom because God just won't show up. Solomon outlines this, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, my son... If you accept my words, that's the word of God, the wisdom of God, and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for inside and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, so, so far he said, if you make it your priority to seek after God's wisdom, then this will happen, he says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. This is written by King Solomon. The Bible says that King Solomon is the wisest man who ever lived. If you guys know the story, when King Solomon became king of the people of God, God said, I will do anything for you. I will give you anything. And he said, God, would you give me wisdom that I might lead your people well? And I think often we think that God, like, applied that matrix helmet King Solomon, you know the one where Keanu is like, I know Kung Fu. I think that we think that God gave him like some special upload and all of a sudden Solomon was the wisest man in the world. But we know this even from looking at the life of Jesus that, and King Solomon affirms it here, that wisdom is found by anybody without discrimination if we will seek it. We see that Jesus went and he studied the scriptures and he got in community. And that's how he grew, it says, in wisdom and stature before men. And so King Solomon, the wisest man who ever walked the earth, says this. He says, if you will diligently seek the wisdom of God, you will find it. Wisest man on earth says, it is a promise from God. If I will live my life postured saying, God, give me your wisdom, I will find it. Think about what that means. The God who laid the foundations of the earth, he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, he is everywhere at once, he has never not been, and he never will not be. That same God says, if you will seek my wisdom, you will find it in the name of Jesus Christ. How powerful the concept is that? But so often we think, I'm doing God a favor by not seeking after his wisdom because I'm afraid God won't speak to me when I give him silent time. Or when I open the word, God, I, God can't use me. He can't allow me to comprehend what he's saying. When I get in community, God won't give me the relationships that will give me wisdom. And God says, no, you're wrong. You're not doing me a favor. Challenge me. Test me. I promise if you will seek my wisdom, you will find my wisdom. And here's just a little bonus. If you're in here and you're just like, I'm dumb, that's only for smart people or pastors, Uh, the Bible tells us that he uses the dumb things of this world to confine the wise. So if, if you're in here and you're like, I just, I ain't smart enough for God's wisdom, good news, you are the ideal candidate for God to show off with. He wants to give you wisdom. And so if you're in here and you'd say, I don't know, I'm afraid that if I seek God's wisdom, I won't find it. I promise you it's waiting for you. It's not easy, and you're going to have to change some stuff. You're going to have to reorder your life. But if you seek God's wisdom, he promises you will find it in the name of Jesus Christ. So the first thing, you fear that God won't speak to you, and I promise you that is a lie from the devil. You will receive wisdom when you seek God. Second thing I think that holds us back so often from seeking God's wisdom in our life is this. I fear that if I live according to God's wisdom, if I seek out God's wisdom, then I will have to walk away from true success in my life. I think this is extremely, extremely tangible for many of us in here. We're a campus uh, led by people who are leaders in their community and their families. Many of you have built successful businesses and successful networks. And I think many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we believe that to tap into God's wisdom, the kind of wisdom that says the first shall be last, the kind of wisdom that talks about pouring out and giving to others, many of us are afraid that God's wisdom would leave us away from our real success, the success I've accumulated in the world world and would cause me to have to step into something that I wouldn't view as success. Maybe you're in here and the reason that even if you've gone to church for many years, you've never really tapped into God's wisdom, is that you're afraid to walk away from the success you've accumulated. I think this is extremely valid. I know people who've gotten in on Jesus and their life has completely changed. But let me explain something to you. When I seek God in His wisdom, I receive true success. Proverbs chapter two verse seven says this: "We, our God, when we apply His wisdom, says this: He holds success in store." For the upright, that's those who live according to his wisdom. He is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Understand, once again, this is King Solomon. King Solomon was the most successful king of his era. Contemporaries like King Nebuchadnezzar or Xerxes and Cyrus and Darius had nothing compared to King Solomon. He inherited this small kingdom of Israel and he built cities, he built monuments, he built uh, temples to God. And in everything he did, King Solomon was the most successful king of his time. And even in that, King Solomon... He said that the answer to true success is for me to seek God's wisdom. When I seek God's wisdom, it says he holds, and then he gives me success. When you seek God's wisdom, you will experience true success. But understand this as well. For many of us, especially maybe if you've lived many years away from the wisdom of God, for many of us, the success that we hold on to in this world It's not God's success for us. Maybe for you, millions of dollars in a bank account or many, many people knowing your name or even great things like uh, a family who relies on you to be their everything. For many of us, our success in this world has been driven by our insecurity, by our pride, by our greed. And God wants more for you. And so when I sign on to God's wisdom... Often, he takes the same gifts that got me that success in my past life, and he gives me the kind of success that actually gains as I grow. In this world, so many of us, and you see this in Hollywood, and you see this in Fortune 500, and maybe you even see it in your own life. In this world, so many of us, our success is fleeting. The more I get, the more I grab at, the more it seems to elude me, the peace and the joy that should come with success. If that's your success, that's not God's success. The kind of success that comes from my creator brings me fulfillment and joy each step along the way, even as he gives me greater dreams and greater visions. If I live in God's success, every step that I grow, I will feel fulfilled and I will feel like I have accomplished because God's success is that you would be fulfilled in him first. And so if you're in here, understand this. Your success might look different when you give yourself over to Jesus, but it is because he transforms your heart. Proverbs 2 verse 9 says this, Then you will understand, when you seek God's wisdom, you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. When I sign on to God's wisdom, he might redefine what success looks like, but I sign on to the plan that God laid for my life before the foundation of the earth. What kind of success is waiting on the other end of God's wisdom? What kind of success will you receive When you finally embrace and say, God, whatever wisdom you have for my life, I will step into it. I will walk in it. I will be changed by it. I promise you, you might have to walk away from some things that define you right now, but you will step into success that actually fulfills you. When I live in the fear and the wisdom of God, I live in true success in the name of Jesus Christ. Number three, the third thing I think that holds many of us back, and this breaks my heart, but it's the reality. Many of us, we believe that if I walk into God's wisdom, if I seek God's wisdom, I will have to walk away from fun. Maybe you're in here and you believe that when I step into God's wisdom for my life, I have to step away from everything that's actually fun in this world. And I thought this was a Christian cliche. I don't like Christian cliches very much, but I thought this was a Christian cliche that people often said, you know, I'll wait. Uh, I know God has a plan for me and I know God has wisdom for me, but I'm going to wait till I'm done with my 20s or I'm going to wait till I have a kid and I'm kind of trapped or I'm going to wait, you know, I'm going to wait until uh, I've had my fun and then I'll get serious about God. And I think we have the church, we've done a really bad job. We've just kind of let our world around us tell us that it is more fun to carouse and get drunk and seek sexual fulfillment in this world instead of tapping into the purpose God has for us. I think often we spend so much more time being jealous of the world and their idea of fun than actually living in the fulfillment and the joy and the genuine fun that comes in following Jesus Christ. In verse 12 through 19 of Proverbs 2, Solomon outlines uh, that when I get in on God's promise for my life, when I tap into his wisdom, he says that God's wisdom protects me from two things. Protects me uh, from the wicked and the community of the wicked, and he protects me from the adulterous woman. And those two things, they define these two things. The wicked friendships, people who lead me into gossip and into slander and into greed and into illicit gain, all of those things they represent uh, a false power, a grab at the power that God has created for the intimacy that I have with him. And the, the adulterous woman, it re- represents a false intimacy, the intimacy that I was dependent on with my God before. The world gives me a counterfeit of that, and I, I experience false intimacy here on the world. And King Solomon says that when I get in on the wisdom of God, he protects me from a false idea of power, the kind of power I'm supposed to leave in God's hands, and from a false intimacy that keeps me from pursuing God's love. He says, when I seek God's wisdom, he spares me from those things. But here's how Christian culture has lied to us. The world we've lived in, and maybe you've experienced the holiness movement, maybe you've grown up in church for a long time. Christian culture has told us that it's like this. When I get in on Jesus... He draws a line and says, those things are fun, but they're fleeting. These things aren't fun, but if you do them, you'll get a reward in heaven someday. And so we as Christians, and maybe you've experienced this, and that's why it's taken you so many years to step into a church. We as Christians have bought a lie that to live a life after Jesus just isn't as fun as the world, but someday in heaven, we'll get rewarded uh, for our suffering here on earth before Jesus. That is a lie from the enemy. When I live a life trying to forget what I did last Friday by what I did this Saturday, when I live a life just kind of drinking and carousing and finding false counterfeits to the promises of God, there is no fun to be had in that. Literally, the Bible, Ecclesiastes talks about a season for fun and fun has a, sin has fun for a season. I don't even believe that. Maybe you're in here and you have spent your lifetime pursuing momentary thrills. You still have to lay your head on a pillow at night. And think about the lack of peace and the lack of joy. I'm in on this Jesus thing. I'm a young dude. I have never touched a sip of alcohol. I've never drank. I've never done drugs. I never had sex outside of marriage. I get asked if I'm under the influence of something more than any of you in here. Truly, because when I live seeking after the wisdom in the kingdom of God, every moment of my life is fulfilled and saturated with promise. What could be more fun than that? But so often in this generation that I'm a part of, we spend our 20s building an empire that is crumbling as we build it. Instead of spending our entire lives pushing toward the kingdom of God where every step I take is a step toward greater fulfillment, greater joy, and ultimately greater fun in the name of Jesus. When you get in on the wisdom of an eternal God, you get to live a life that's fulfilling, that's purposeful, and is actually really stinking fun to live. But we got we to fight this idea that the world has the market cornered on fun, you guys. There's so much more. John 10.10, 10, just to illustrate, that, says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come, Jesus says, that they may have life and have it to the full. And then Ezekiel 36 lays out, uh, talks about the new heart that I receive when I get in on Jesus. Maybe right now your idea of fun is behind the doors of a bar or in a relationship that's not fulfilling and gratifying to God. Or maybe it's not even that bad, but it's just not something that God honors. When you receive Jesus and turn yourself over to his wisdom, he transforms your heart. Matthew 6.33, seek first God's kingdom and all of these things will be added to you. And so what Jesus does is he actually, if I, allows him, uh, if I allow him, he takes my heart, he turns it away from the things I used to call fun, and he gives me a desire for the gratifying things, the gratifying fun in my life. Following Jesus should be the most fun thing in the world, and if you guys would help me with that, then I would have a lot easier time pastoring teenagers. <laughs> Serious. They didn't see a bunch of church curmudgeons walking around like following Jesus is a cross to bear. We can have fun in this. Following Jesus is fun. The last thing I think, and this is extremely valid, the last thing that many of us are terrified of, the last thing that keeps many of us from pursuing God's wisdom in our lives is that I fear that if I walk into God's wisdom for my life, I walk away from the legacy I'm creating. Many of us, the fear that holds us back from stepping into God's wisdom is the fear of losing the name that I'm building for myself in this world. And this is real. I feel this. Because when you read the Bible or when you come to church and you plug into the community of God... You hear people talk about tithing and giving to kingdom builders and spending your time serving other people and being in a life group and Christian community. You hear people talk about what it's like to serve and what it's like to minister and what it's like to go on global teams and what it's like to spend every single day seeking after God's will for the people around you. And I, if I'm being honest, sometimes I think, wow, if I spend all my time doing those God things, what time do I have to build my own legacy? that's a real fear. I feel that. You know, I go to the gym sometimes, and I used to I used to be an athlete, and I often go to the gym, and I see these guys who uh, are there every single day, and they're kind of their gym time is their time. I, I don't know how Pas- Pastor Anthony has a Holy Spirit anointing or something, but I see these guys, and they have some of this stuff is displaced, and it's here, and here, and everywhere else, and I'm like, if I didn't spend so much time pouring out for the things of the kingdom, how, how much easier would it be for me to take care of myself, to look at myself, and there's a balance in there and all these kind of things. But the reality is, when I step into God's will and God's wisdom, I believe I'm going to have to sacrifice some things. I believe I'm going to have to walk away maybe from some of the things that make me famous. And I'm not just talking about money and greed and negative things. I'm talking about community development and, and family time. I, I think there is sacrifice we have to make when we follow Jesus. And some of you in this place, maybe you have never embraced the wisdom of God because you're afraid that embracing God's wisdom means stepping away from your legacy. King Solomon speaks to this. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 20, he says this. He says, when you get in on God's wisdom... Thus, you will walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. Get this, for the upright, that's those who live according to God's wisdom, will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. Understand something. This is written to God's people, to Israel. This isn't written with Gentiles or non-Christians, non-God-fearing people in mind. He says that there is a group among God's people, maybe people who will even be in heaven with you someday, people who love Jesus and prayed that prayer and accepted Jesus. He says they will be cut off from the land. The land is the promise, the inheritance, the gifts, the future that God has for us. He says there are people who love Jesus who will not live in God's promises here on earth. But he says, when I embrace the wisdom of a holy, eternal God, he says that I will live in the promise of God here. Heaven is waiting, and that's amazing, and there are gifts waiting for me there. But when I embrace God's will and wisdom for my life, I live in his promise and his inheritance for my life right here on earth. And so... It's valid to fear that I have to walk away from my own legacy here on earth. It might look completely different when you lay your life down at Jesus' feet. But he promises, this is another promise from God, that when I step in to God's wisdom, I will live in God's promise here on earth. I will build a legacy. I will build a name. It'll look different. It'll deflect to Jesus instead of being all about me. But when I live in God's promises here, he will build a legacy for me. And so in here tonight, I wonder, what is the benefit in your life to living for the wisdom of your God? What would happen, even today, what would your life look like a month from now or a year from now? If you made a decision and said, Jesus, I I believe that you're going to show up when I give you the time. I believe that your success is the only true success. I believe that there's fun and fulfillment to be found in you. I believe that you will give me a legacy. What would your life look like if you decided to live in the wisdom of a heavenly, eternal creator? What's waiting around the corner from that decision? Stand to your feet with me in this place. (laughs) You know it is a huge pleasure of mine to get to be a pastor in this what God is doing in our church I recently sat down with a friend in his fifties or sixties I don't know a dude uses moisturizer so he and i uh my friend told me that he'd recently really submitted everything to Jesus my friend told me he said logan. I feel like I spent my entire life building my kingdom. And it fell out from underneath me. And he said, now in my 50s, 60s, whatever it is, I feel like I'm finally building something that lasts. In this place, you don't have to do it on your own. The wisdom of the all-knowing God is waiting on the other side of your commitment. You're going to have to reprioritize. You're going to have to give God time in his word every day. You're going to have to give God time in fellowship and worship every day. You're going to have to spend some time in silence believing that God's voice will be there waiting for you. But if I commit and say, God, I'm in on your wisdom, I step in to the plan of an all-powerful, good-willing God for my life. I want to be a part of a church filled with the wisdom of God. I want to see a movement driven by the eternal wisdom of an all-powerful God. And so in this place, we're going to worship God for one minute. And then I'm going to ask prayer teams and life groups leaders to come forward in just a minute. And in this moment, I want to give you the opportunity to make a commitment to Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to pray a prayer or raise your hand. All I want you to do is worship God as if all of the barriers, all of the fears, all of the hindrance that held me back before from plugging into God's wisdom, I'm going to let go of them. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to plug in. He's given me life. He's opened my eyes and there is more where that came from. So in this place, with just one minute, I'm going to challenge you. Worship God like you are committed to living in His wisdom. Worship God like His plan is greater and then we are going to go and see our World changed by the wisdom of an eternal creator. Let's worship him in this place as we see our God pour out his wisdom and his favor for your life to reflect his glory in this place. teams, life group leaders, deacons, if you guys can make your way forward there is nothing to hold you back from the wisdom of God if you commit to seek him, you will hear his voice you will receive his wisdom, you will walk in the plan that he's left for you across this place I want to be a church driven by the wisdom of my eternal king And so I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to challenge you. If you need to make a commitment today, maybe you've been held back by fear before, but if you need to make a commitment today to live in the promise and the wisdom of an eternal God, make your way forward and pray with one of these people. We're going to pray, and then we're going to go into our world and see it changed as we live empowered by the spirit of a wise, loving God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that it doesn't depend on me or my actions or my religion. All I do is commit to live in your wisdom and give you the time and you do the rest. God, we want to see our world changed in the wisdom and the love of Jesus Christ. So today we commit, wherever we are, wherever we've been, that we will seek your wisdom and we will find it. We will live in your success. We will experience true fun. And we will leave a legacy because of the power of our God displayed through us. Thank you for your power. Go with us as we go into our world. Let people see your wisdom through us. Let us have an amazing week serving you, Jesus. In your power we pray. Amen. Amen, church. We love you. Have an amazing week serving the Lord. Go in his wisdom and grace.